All right. How you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Loving the rain. It actually feels like fall, which is pretty sweet, given that it's fall and it's going to be like 90 degrees on Tuesday. Um, anyway, so my name is Chris Wozniki. If you guys are new, you can call me Woz. Uh, I'm on staff. And over the last few weeks, we've been in the series in the book of Romans called Religion Kills. Uh, we're basically, we've been looking at Paul's argument that, um, that life isn't found in spirituality, Life isn't found in keeping the religious rules. Life is actually only found in Christ alone. And last week, Pat, our kids ministry pastor, he came in. Give it up for Pat, because he's going to hear this on the podcast. So he wants to know that you guys loved him. Um, He did a great job of unpacking the gospel and sort of taking it and saying, okay, the gospel is where we start, but it's also has all these other implications for the rest of our lives. And tonight, we're going to be continuing that unpacking. Um, But let me first start off with a story. So I was a few years into college, typical poor college student, right? Working a low-paying job, eating ramen and hot dogs. Got to get the protein in, right? Um, Not a lot has changed. Anyway, my mom uh, mom came to me and she says, Hey, uh, I have a friend and... I have an opportunity for you to make some cash. I was like, okay, like, I need cash. It's always good. Uh, So I'm like, yeah, like, tell me. And she's like, okay, so my friend, uh, she needs to move everything she owns into a storage unit. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can help you with this, mom. And she's like, well, I'll pay. She will pay you. I was like, okay, that, that sort of changes things. And then she tells me she's a hoarder. And I'm like, oh, this really changes things. But she'll pay you. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So I get to the storage facility, right? Luckily, everything's in, like, the truck already. Like, I didn't have to move anything from her place to the place. It was already in truck. Just had to unload the stuff, put it into the storage unit. It should be okay, right? So if you've ever been to a storage unit, you know that they are hot, especially in the middle of the summer, just made it out of aluminum. It just contains the heat, doesn't let it go anywhere. So it's a hot day. It's hot. It's muggy. It's the middle of summer. And... I'm starting to take her stuff, right, from this truck and carrying it through this maze of a storage facility. And it's taking me hours to do this. And I keep thinking, like, okay, it's worth it. She's going to pay you. Sweat's dripping. Arms are hurting. Back is in pain. I'm like, okay, she's going to pay you. Just That's the goal. I just got to make it through the rest of the day. She's going to pay you. And then I start carrying this bag of who knows what. It's like a black trash bag. And she's a hoarder, so I don't really want to know what's in this trash bag. Um, and I'm walking through this facility, and the bag just rips from the bottom. And out of it falls a bunch of nasty old lady underwear. And <clears throat> some of you guys are into that. That's weird. Um, so I have to pick up all of this underwear and, like carry it, not even like, because the bag is ripped, now I just have to be walking around through this storage facility carrying this underwear. But it's okay, because I'm getting paid, so it's worth it. So hours later, I'm exhausted, finish the job. The lady comes to me, and she's a typical old lady, really nice. She's like, honey, you helped me so much today. Like, I don't know what I would have done without you. You really deserve compensation. I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Um, and she's like, here you go, sweetie, $10. You earned it. I'm like, $10? And then she says a typical old lady like joke, don't go ahead and spend it all in one place. And I'm like, I can't spend it in one place. Like, uh, 
a venti pumpkin spice latte with an ad shot extra pumpkin, that'll cost me like $7. I can barely spend the $10 in one place. It doesn't even fill up my gas tank. Well, it does fill up my gas tank, but it barely fills up my gas tank. So why was I so pissed off? Why was I so angry? Because I worked my butt off, right? And I deserved to be paid for what I did. Right? Yeah, I was told I was going to get paid. I wasn't doing it as a favor, right? It wasn't a gift. I was doing it to get paid. Now, is that selfish? No, I don't, I don't think it is. In fact, Paul himself says in Romans 4 that when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, rather as an obligation. So he says it's an obligation. I am obligated to get paid. I am owed my money. However, that's not the way it works with God. Paul goes on to say that right after that, and we'll take a look at that tonight. God doesn't give us what we're owed. And thank God he doesn't, because we'd be in big trouble if he gave us what we were actually owed. In fact, God actually justifies the ungodly. Right? He credits our faith as righteousness. Basically, he pays us, we can use that metaphor, for the work that we never did. So tonight we'll see how this simple truth that we're justified by faith alone and not by anything we've done actually changes the way we do community. So let me go ahead and pray first. Lord, um, it's just such an awesome truth to know that your gospel changes everything. God, that it's not just the beginning of how we get into relationship with you, but it has so many more implications. Lord, and I pray that uh, as we talk about the fact that you have justified us, God, that that would shape the way we see ourselves, that that would shape the way we see others, that it would shape the way we do community. Lord, and I pray that your word would just speak loudly, God, that you'd speak to each person individually where they're at. Lord, that you would um, just meet people tonight. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we live in an achievement-based culture. It's called the American dream. Right, the American dream says, if you work hard enough, right, if you put in enough blood, sweat, and tears and work your butt off, you can make it. Right? Like you can be somebody. No matter what your background, no matter where you've come from, no matter anything, right? If you're just determined enough, you can be anything you want to be, you can get anything you want. Right? You just have to work hard enough. Too bad that's, in reality, it's a nice dream. That's exactly what it is. It's a dream. It's not true. Um, Some people work their butts off their entire life and never make it, right? The odds are stacked against them. Poor school systems, broken families, bad neighborhoods, all that sort of stuff kind of makes it hard for some people to make it, no matter how hard they work. But the tendency of the people who actually made it, like made it, is to look down on those people and think like, oh, I made it. I worked hard. Why can't they? Right? Like, work harder. Don't be so lazy. Have a better work ethic. If you didn't make it, it's because there's something wrong with you. Right? And that attitude of looking down, that comes because they think that somehow they're better because they made it. And the fact is that it's not just something... Uh, that's just the American dream. We import the same sort of attitude to our relationship with God, right? Work harder and you can be somebody, right? And then you start to look down on people. This mentality will either do one of two things. Either you'll become super prideful, right? Because you think that you've done it, 
that you've made it, that you've put in the hard work, or on the opposite end of things, it'll cause you to doubt your worth because you feel like you haven't worked hard enough. You haven't done enough, right? If, if you believe this work hard enough and you'll make it sort of mentality, questions will start to go through your mind. It's like, have I done enough for God? Right? Is he pleased with me? Have I let him down? Do I meet his expectations? Right? Have I lived up to what he wants from me? And more, than off, more often than not, you'll think, no, I actually, I haven't done that. And the sense of guilt and shame will come on you. But the Bible says that those questions, the questions of have I done enough, are even the wrong sort of questions to start off in the first place. So let's go ahead and open up to Romans 3.27. Romans 3.27. This picks up where Pat left off last week. And when you're there, can I get a loud word? Awesome. So here's what it says. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. So to justify means to declare right. right? When you're taking a test and the, the thing says justify your answer, right? what they want from you is for you to explain why your answer deserves credit. Right? And the reason, Paul says, that we deserve credit is not because we've kept the law, Right? The reason we deserve credit in God's eyes is because of faith. Let's keep reading. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. So what Paul's saying here is God isn't some sort of tribal God right? He's not only the God of Israel. He's the God of the entire world. Now, if he were only Israel's God, then it would make sense that he would justify people through Israel's law, right? But he's not just Israel's God. He's the God of the entire universe, of all people. That means he justifies people in one way. And that's what we saw last week when Pat uh, taught about the atonement and how Christ has made atonement for us. He goes on to say, Since there is only one God, oh, 31. Do we then nullify this law by this faith? In other words, do we diminish the value of God's law by saying that we're justified by faith and not by works? He says no. He says rather we uphold it. In other words, he's saying that the real purpose of the law, what the law was originally given for, was to point people to Christ. And this actually fulfills the law. All right, so Paul's point And this entire passage, talking about justification, talking about law, talking about Israel, is to make the point that because of the gospel, there is no boasting, right? Boasting is not allowed. It's off limits. Being justified is being able to stand in front of God in heaven one day, on judgment day, right? And it's being able to have God say to you that you're worthy, that you actually deserve to be with me for eternity, right? Even though that's a future event, Right? It's going to happen one day. It's not happening right now. We're justified now. God declares what's true of us in the future now. So Paul says nobody's actually going to stand before God one day in heaven and boast. It's like, do you think 
Like, if you think you're going to do that, that's absolutely ridiculous because you have no reason to boast. And Paul said it earlier in the letter. Throughout the letter, he says, you have no reason to boast. He said, there's no one righteous, not even one, right? No one seeks God, right? They've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And that's all that Paul says about us before we came to Christ, right? And he says, you don't even do good. Like, apart from the Holy Spirit living within you, and spurring you on to do good, you don't do anything good, right? You haven't done anything of earning God's love. You haven't done anything that's made you worthy to stand in front of God's presence apart from Christ. So what are you going to boast about, Paul's saying? Like, tell me, like, what are you going to boast about? Like, are you going to tell him, like, oh, I read the Bible twice a week or once a day if you're really good, right? You think that's going to get him impressed? Are you going to tell him, oh, I went to Africa and I worked with the orphans? Like, is that going to make God super impressed and all of a sudden be like, oh, you're so worthy. Now, like, come into my kingdom of heaven. No, none of that counts apart from Christ because apart from Christ, all of our works are just filthy rags, right? If we stand in front of God in heaven and boast, we'll look like complete fools, Right, because we're boasting in really dumb things. When I think of boasting in dumb things, I think of this one SNL skit um, with Kirsten Wig. Um, she's called she's the character is called Penelope, and she is like a one upper. She's gonna boast about every single thing that she actually hasn't even done. Um, why don't you guys go ahead and show the clip of that for me? You see how stupid that looks? LeBron, as much as I hate to say it, has a reason to boast. She does not, right? It just looks ridiculous. She's trying to come up with things to impress people. And that's what it's going to look like if you're standing before God and all of a sudden you come up with this list of things that you think are all of a sudden going to impress him. Right? If our value, if our worth, if our justification came from what we did, then that would be fine, right? That would be legit. Like, we would have reason to do that. If our justification were by works, we could point to God and say, look at, I, I did this, I did this, and I did that. But I think, just even from this entire series, or if from before that, I think most of us in here know that we're not justified by works, 
right? I'm preaching to the choir. If I asked you guys, why are you saved? No one would answer because I did a bunch of good things. Maybe a random person out on the street might say something like, oh, I try to be a good person, or <coughs> I, I try to keep the golden rule, or try to treat people, others, as I'd like to be treated. Something like that. But I'm pretty sure that most of us know that we're not saved by works. But here's the thing. You don't live like you know that. Right? And I admit that I don't either. You know how I know that that's true? Because most, I've been in life groups over the years, lots of life groups over the years, and I know that most people have days like the one I'm about to describe. Now, check, track with me if you resonate with this. Okay, here's the first day. Right? You wake up early, right? you, you miss your alarm. Or you don't wake up early because you missed your alarm. <laughs> you wake up one day because you missed your alarm, right? And now you're mad because you had planned to read the Bible, right? There's no time for that now. So you drive to work and you can play some worship music because you kind of felt like that's what the Lord was saying, but you decide to listen to the radio or do something else, right? You get to work, your coworker's being stupid, you hate your coworker, um, so now your day just sucks, you're flustered, you have an hour to get to church before it's time to serve, Right? And now you can spend that hour spending time with the Lord, getting your heart ready right, to, to be there, and you decide you don't really want to do that. Like, you just want to chill. So you do that. You chill, you get to church, you serve, you go through the motions, you know you're going through the motions, and then night ends, you leave, you go home, go to sleep. Second kind of day. You wake up early, get your coffee, Right? You read your Bible, you start praying for your family, for the church, for the nations, for your one life. Right? You put on some worship music on the way to, ch- on the way to work, and you're singing your heart out to the Lord. Um, you get to work, and you strike up a conversation with that annoying coworker about God, and you're like, man, like, this person's really interested in God right now. And somehow you get off work early, and you still get paid for that extra time that you got off early for. So that's really sweet. And then... Because you're early, you have time to go home, spend some time in prayer, uh, just spend some time with the Lord and his presence before it's time to serve a church. You go to church, and you're serving, and you really feel like you made a difference tonight, like you made an impact on someone's life, right? And you get home, and you lay down, and you're like, man, like, that was a good day. Now, be honest with me. How many of you guys had days like either one of those, right? Now, which day feels... Like God really loves you. Today feels. Because you know, you know God loves you, but the second day feels like God is passionately and deeply in love with you. Right? And why, why do we carry that, even though we know it's not true? It's because we carry this false mentality that's really hard to break out of, that the better we are as Christians, the more passionately God loves us. Right? That's justification by works and action, right? That's boasting in our works in front of God. But it's not just religious things we boast in, right? We boast in all sorts of other things. We try to find our worth in all sorts of other things. We find our worth in our talents. Like, oh, I'm a musician. I'm really smart. I write really well. Uh, I'm athletic, right? Whatever it might be. Or we find it in being a certain kind of person. Like, oh, I'm a responsible person, Or I'm a chill, laid-back person, right? I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert, right? I'm a good-looking person. Or I'm a countercultural person. Like, I don't follow all these trends, 
right? The problem with boasting in any of those things is that it classifies people into the haves and the have-nots, right? If, if I boast in being responsible, then I'm going to look down on the chill people because I'm going to feel like they're not as responsible, right? They're not as good. Or if I'm an extrovert, which I'm not, this is an example, um, I'll think, oh, I'm better socially than these people who just are stuck to themselves and don't want to interact with anybody, right? Or if I have all these accomplishments, I've finished school, I have a good job, right? I'm creative. You'll think, oh, other people aren't capable of doing that. So boasting in whatever it is breeds this mentality of I'm just better than those people, right? And that's usually not verbal. Like we never say, we would never say that out loud unless maybe we were with some people talking about people we really don't like, right? We would never say that out loud. But Paul says that because of the gospel, all boasting is excluded. And here's the point of all of this, if you guys are taking notes. The fact is, boasting kills. But literally, literally it kills. I'll explain that, and figuratively. So here's how it literally kills you. It creates false hope. Okay? The more you boast in, the more that that thing that you boast in becomes a part of your identity. Right? The more you boast in that thing that's a part of your identity, the more you need to cling to that thing in order to have life. Right? But at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you'll see that that thing that you boasted in, that you thought was so important, has no power to give you life. As I've said, we've, I've used this illustration a bunch of times in this series. It's like trusting, trusting in those things that we boast in is like trusting in an uninflated flotation device if you're sinking on the Titanic, right? Like it's uninflated. It gives you this illusion of security. But once you're in the water, like it's uninflated. It's not going to help. Second off, you're going to freeze to death. So you might have this illusion of being safe, but really it's not going to do anything, right? The second thing, it leads to denial, this last weekend, uh, me and a few others ran what's called a Spartan race. Um, basically, it's this obstacle course sort of thing. Um, barbed wire crawls, you're running up hills, you're lifting stuff, you're climbing over walls, you're doing all that sort of stuff. There's a picture. Uh, me, Andy, Sky Tim, Jacqueline, and Aisha. Some of you guys might know her. Anyway, so... We were tra- I was starting to train for this, right? I sort of know what to expect. The pictures of the actual like, event were not up yet, so I was super bummed. I wanted to show that. But anyway, so um, I know what to expect. I've watched tons and tons of YouTube videos getting ready for this. So I'm hitting the gym. That was not my training. My training was not watching YouTube videos. <laughs> um, so I'm hitting the gym, working on strength stuff, ignoring my running skills, because... I'm thinking like, okay, I'm not good at running, so I'm just going to ignore that, right? (laughs) Thinking, because this is a three to five mile run, um, thinking like it's probably going to be closer to three miles. It ended up being a full five. Um, Anyway, so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm good enough to get get by on my strength. That's what's going to get me through it, so that's what I'm going to work out on. Well, race day comes, and you can imagine, we get out of the gates, or the thing, and Take, take a first corner, maybe it's, I don't know, an eighth of a mile to the first corner, and then all of a sudden, giant hill. Not even giant hill, like giant hill after hill after hill. How, 
how long do you think that section was, Andy? Probably a mile with like maybe a 45, 50 degree angle, right? It's like a 1,500 foot elevation gain. Um, And it was crazy, right? And I'm like, dang, like I should have run. I should not have focused so much on just lifting and getting strong. I was in denial about how much running it was actually going to be. And it, I paid for it, right? And the sort of, that's the sort of thing that happens when you put your confidence, when your confidence in God, when you're, you put your confidence in good works, right? If you do that, you're going to have to ignore or cover up your weaknesses and your sins. Like you won't be able to be real with yourself, right? Because those sins would somehow like disqualify you, right? Those sins would diminish your value or your worth with God. So you kind of have to just ignore them, right? So you only focus on what you do right. If it's by works, you can only focus on what you do right and you'll ignore the things you don't do as well. And if you can't, if you ignore the things you don't do well and the areas of life that are in sin, you can't grow past them, right? You're going to be stuck at that level, right? The second, the third thing that boasting does is boasting causes anxiety. It leads to anxiety. Like, I guarantee you, <clears throat> you will feel anxiety when the thing that you boast in is threatened, right? If your confidence comes from service to God, Right? You will feel threatened when someone does more for God than you. Right? If your confidence comes from someone's love for you, right? a relationship, you're going to get flustered or upset when someone questions your relationship with that person. Right? Why? Because their identity is tied to that person. Right? Or if your confidence comes from being a good Christian, right? you'll be threatened when someone calls out a sin in your life because that's going to feel like a very personal attack. And in a sense, it is sort of a personal attack because your identity is built on you being the good Christian, right? So that's the sort of thing. Anxiety will cause you, like, boasting will cause you to, le- to, ang- to have anxiety when the thing that you boast in is threatened. The last thing is that it creates divisions. Boasting creates divisions. Boasting tears communities apart. Why? Because when boasting happens, people begin to compare each other to one another. Right? They begin to judge people on all sorts of other things. Why? It's because we get our confidence in those things. So in order to have confidence, we have to see ourselves as better than the other people. So boasting is actually toxic for community. Have you ever been around someone who just thinks that they're better than everybody else? Yeah? I have. Um... Throw a picture up of me and my uh, good friend Kanye West. Uh, <laughs> so that's me in 2006, seven, maybe seven. Um, so, so here's the story. Me and uh, I was dropping off my friend who's in the military outfit, the U.S. Army guy. And um, it's like 5 a.m. We're at LAX. And we go into the store, and Kanye's reading a bunch of, like, fashion magazines. And I'm, I walk up to him, he's like, hey, man, like, my buddy's going off to Iraq. Can we get a picture? And he just kind of is like, he doesn't even say anything. He just, like, turns around and stands there. And, I mean, you can see his face. He's, 
Either it was 5 a.m. in the morning. This was back in the day when Kanye was like a good guy. Or everybody thought Kanye was a good guy. Um, You can just see the look of disdain on his face. He hates the fact that we're doing this. Um, He thinks that he's too good to take a picture with somebody who might die in Iraq. What a jerk. Anyway, so, um, and this guy is a guy who wants to be president in 2020. He won't even take pictures with soldiers. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> now, what if everyone in your community, what if everyone at Soma lived and acted like Kanye West? Can you imagine what Soma would be like? Um, it would suck. <laughs> like, it would be the worst community ever. It would be like the most creative community ever, but it would suck. Um, It would be a a very blasphemous community as well. Anyway, so Paul comes back to this question, right? Why no boasting? It's because we're justified by faith alone. Let's keep reading. 4.1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. So what he's saying is, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. And Paul's audience which would have included um, both Gentiles and Jews, they would have been like, duh, like absolutely he has a reason to boast. Abraham is the father of our religion. He's better than us. If anyone had a reason to boast, it would be Abraham, right? If anyone had a reason to, be, to boast in their good works, it would be Abraham. In fact, that is what some people said. Um, there are some ancient Jewish like writings that aren't in the Bible They exist. And um, this is what they would say. Throw those up there. From the Mishnah. Abraham, our father, had performed the whole law before it was given. In the book of Jubilees, Abraham was perfect in all his deeds with the Lord. In the prayer of Manassas, God had not appointed repentance unto the righteous, unto Abraham. So basically they thought (laughs) Abraham had performed the whole law before it was even written. He was perfect in all his actions. He was so good that he never needed to repent. Right? And Paul says, um, actually, that's all wrong. Like, that's not even true. And he gets him with like a zinger. Like that sort of, it's that sort of like case closed sort of argument. You know, like when you're having an argument with somebody and all of a sudden you come up with like the perfect thing to say to that person and just like shuts them down. That happened um, last week with Matt Ruge. Um I'm not, I'm not throwing down the gauntlet. Basically, so now I was parked down behind the auditorium, right? And I came sort of early, and there was shade. So I parked in the shade. And um, after our Uganda meeting, we went to go to lunch. And all of a sudden, like, it wasn't shady anymore. Like, my car was in the middle of the hot sun. And I was like, oh, man, like, what happened? Like, I parked in the shade, and now my car is in the hot sun. And Matt being a smart aleck. He's like, well, it's because the sun moved. Duh. 
And, and I thought about it for a second. And I was like, actually, the sun doesn't move. We moved. Um, it was like, that's the sort of thing that Paul does. It's like, they think they're like getting them with like this really smart argument. But Paul just comes in as like, actually, here's what actually happened. And what he does, and this is all in chapter four, is he says, look back at Genesis. Look back at the story of Abraham in Genesis. At what point does God justify Abraham? Was it before he did the work of circumcision or after? Because if, if it was after, before the work, if it was after the work of circumcision, it would be by works, right? No, God justified Abraham before that work, right? So his justification was not by works. It was actually by faith. And then Paul gives another example. God had promised Abraham a son, even though Abraham was really old. um, But Abraham believed that God can do it. Uh, Verse 19. Without weakening his faith, oh, 419. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. And yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So as I read this a few weeks ago, my mind was just absolutely blown, right? Abraham's having a kid. He's as good as dead. He's 100 years old, and he's having a kid, right? And he believed God's promise, and God's promise came true. And why was my mind blown when I was reading this? Because it was such a clear picture of the gospel, right? We were dead in our sins, not like sort of dead, not like really old in our sins. Like we were full on dead. That's what Ephesians says. We were dead in our sins, but God made a promise, He said, trust in my promise, trust in my son Jesus, and you will live. You'll have eternal life, right? And that doesn't make any sort of human sense. Trust in this guy who lived 2,000 years ago and died on a cross, and you'll have eternal life. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, how does it make sense that Abraham's going to have a kid at 100 years old? It doesn't. But we're asked to believe that promise, And we're told that that promise is going to come true. So faith is trust. It's trusting in that promise that God has made. And this faith, this trust, it brings life. And we've seen how boasting, it creates false hope. It creates anxiety. We've seen that we aren't saved by works, that there's no need to boast, that we're saved by faith, and that that's what actually brings us life, not just eternal life, but the kind of full life that Jesus promises So here's how faith brings life. First off, faith gives life to Soma. Faith gives life to Soma. It strengthens community. Now imagine if there weren't any sort of divisions or pecking order or if nobody thought that they were better than one another. Right? What kind of community would that be? It would be a a community that everybody would want to be a part of. Right? Imagine... If things that people boasted about here in their own mind, right? Because nobody's going out there saying stuff in their own mind. 
became irrelevant. Right? Imagine if leaders weren't a special group of people. Right? Or, or if the band weren't a special group of people. Or if the social butterflies weren't the people that everybody looked up to and wanted to hang out with. Right? What if everyone was on the same playing field? If everyone were just as valued, regardless of what they brought, regardless of what they could contribute, regardless of their talents or their skills or anything? What if everyone was just as valued and cared for, regardless of anything, just because they were here? Right? That would happen if all reasons for boasting were eliminated. Right? Also, it would grow our heart for mission. It grows our heart for mission. If we lived by faith and not by boasting, we would realize that there is nothing special in us right, that made God look down upon us and choose to rescue us. Right? We would know, we would realize that there's nothing, it's not because of anything that we did. Right? God loves everyone and he chooses to rescue people regardless of what they contributed to him before he saved them. Right? We would realize that just because we don't have, because we have our lives together as believers, that doesn't make God love us any more than somebody who doesn't have their life together or is just trying to figure this thing out. Right? We would be open, we would be so open to people who are rough around the edges. Right? We'd be open to those people who, who, who are just exploring this whole Christianity thing. Why? Because we would communicate this idea that it's not by what we've done, but it's completely by what God has done alone. And that's the only reason we're gathered here together. Right? Not because of what we contribute. But faith also brings you life personally. Right? Faith gives you life because you're free from denial. If your value, if your worth before God doesn't depend on anything you do, if it only depends upon faith, then you're free from denial. There's no need to cover up, right? You can come to life group and confess your sins, right? If you struggle with porn, if you struggle with your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're greedy, if you look down on people, if you just aren't passionate about God right now, You could say all of those things because you know that those things don't change the fact that God loves you, right? You can admit to yourself, okay, like I suck in this area and that's okay. You won't have to live with a mask because we all, I think all of us live with masks and not only masks that protect us from other people, but masks that we put on because we don't want to see ourselves for how we really are. So you can admit your weakness because your weakness doesn't actually disqualify you from your relationship with God or make God love you less. And you can bring those things to God and allow him to transform you and to grow you in those areas. You're free from anxiety as well. You're set free from anxiety. Why? Because you don't need to perform. Right? Since you're free from the pressure, you're, you're going to be free from the pressure of having to keep it all together. Like, you don't need to worry, am I doing enough for God today? Uh, Does God really love me? Is God pleased with me right now? Am I enough for him? You won't have to worry about those things because you know that your justification before God comes only from having faith in him and what he's done and not from what you've done. 
but this life of freedom from anxiety, from denial, uh, this life that's deep, authentic, real community only comes when you decide to stand, to get up off of your foundation of works, right? Only when you realize that everything that you are, everything that you've ever put your confidence in, everything that you've given your trust over to doesn't actually work. It's like when you do that, all of those things which are shaky foundations and you decide to stand on Christ alone, when you do that, that's when you'll have life. So my question for you guys tonight as we end this night is what is that thing that you're standing on? What is that foundation? What is the thing that you boast in to give you value either before God or before other people? And are you willing to get up off of those things and stand on Christ alone. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Lord, um, it is hard to have faith in you, God. It is hard, and it just doesn't make sense, to trust in you alone and not in the things that we do to make you love us. God, It's hard to live by faith alone, God, but we want to do that, Lord. We want to be a people who lives out of the freedom of knowing that you've justified us by faith and not by works. Lord, so I pray that even in this time of worship, God, that we would confess those things that we boast in, Lord, and decide to trust in your blood and in your blood alone to make us right before you, God. And if for some reason... We, we've, we've stepped back into trusting into ourselves, God. I pray that we would let that go. God, and if there's anybody here tonight, Lord, who has never decided to put their trust in you and what you've done in order to cover our sins, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them right now, God, that you would be sharing with them how much you love them, God, that you love them enough to have Jesus die on the cross and raised from the dead for them. Lord, let us just be a community who lives out of the truth of our justification. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.